Welcome to CII Radio. In this episode, we're talking to Johnny Timpson and Dr. Matthew Connell. In this episode of the podcast, we are discussing vulnerable customers, and we are joined by Johnny Timpson, Disability and Access Champion for the Insurance Profession, and Dr. Matthew Connell, Director of Policy and Public Affairs at the CII. To find out more about this podcast and for useful links, go to thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Here's our conversation with Johnny and Matt. Hello, Johnny and Matt. Um, welcome to CII Radio. Very, very pleased to have you with us today discussing what is quite an important subject. Firstly, Johnny, for any of our listeners that might not be aware of some of the work you do within the profession, um, can we ask you to give us a bit of background to your role and how that uh, perhaps links with work around vulnerable customers? Yeah, I'm, I'm be pleased to. Hello, everybody. I'm, I'm Johnny Timpson. My day job at Scottish Widows and uh, Lloyds Banking Group is uh, I'm the uh, financial protection technical and industry affairs manager. I work within the insurance business, which is which is Scottish Widows, but I support um, all of the bank brands in, in relation to uh, not just fin- uh, financial protection, but anything to do with welfare as well. And uh, so I've been doing some work in our Helping Britain Prosper campaign about uh, helping my banking colleagues understand the the journey that our customers impacted by welfare reform are on and how we can best support them. So, for example, we've just put in place a a partnership with the Turn to Us charity, which is a tool available to everybody, actually, to help them uh, just plug in, play, and you can identify exactly what you and your household's welfare benefits entitlement is, which in these current times, I think, is a a valuable service to provide your customers with. So that's basically what I do in my day job. My other jobs are, two years ago, I was appointed by the DWP to be the the access and disability champion for the insurance industry and profession. I was one of a team of 19 sector champions appointed. Last November, with the restructuring of uh, of what happens in relation to disability and inclusion across government, that role within the DWP was moved into the Cabinet Office. So I'm now the Cabinet Office champion for, for disability and access for, for, for insurance. Actually, that's quite important because um, moving th- the, the, the role that I had into the cabinet office sends a signal uh, on across all of government across all society and it really should to our industry and profession that you know government are very very serious about upping the ante on inclusion and diversity and uh, and i really welcome the support that i've had from the ci in particular in delivering that so i to deliver that role i established the access to insurance working group i mean i'm supporting work elsewhere that's taking place on travel on contents uh, on uh, people who've got assistive technology aids and even assistive technology dogs get insurance for their equipment and their uh, uh, and their dogs but um, I wanted to have a real focus on improving access to uh, both individual and workplace protection so I established the access to insurance working group with uh, a number of work streams underwriting transparency and trust signposting professionalism workplace uh, and workplace and prevention supporting all of that i've got um, a charity and uh, consumer body reference group which is chaired by macmillan uh, which comprises at the minute about 30 health and disability charities apart from that i've been supporting the uh, cii insuring women's futures campaign with everything to do with um, disability and protection 
Amazing. Well, it sounds like you're incredibly busy, but um, obviously the, the subject of, of vulnerable customers is something that you, you work with, with closely. Matt, if we could bring you in now, what is actually meant by the term vulnerable customer? I mean, this is a term that we've been hearing more and more, and it is, has become a very kind of significant um, subject um, in the insurance and financial services professions. Um, so what's actually meant by uh, the term vulnerable customer? Yeah, well, it can mean different things to, to different people. So yeah, it is really important to, to, to take a step back and and, and think about it. The FCA's definition is anyone who, who because of a particular characteristic, is, is more at risk of suffering detriment, of, of losing out uh, in some way with, with financial services. And the FCA lists four main um, categories of, of characteristics, um, uh, health, life events like bereavement, um, sort of resilience, sort of people's ability to, to draw on resources, people they know, family, or, or even emotional res- resilience within within somebody, and then also capability, so people's knowledge and experience of financial services, and, and their ability to, to to go through sort of decision making in a in a in a rational way. So. Based on that, the FCA itself says that about half of us in the UK are are vulnerable at any one time, and so it's kind of a bewildering a bewildering list. In some ways, I think it, it's almost easier to think about who isn't a vulnerable customer, who's the absolute opposite, a super customer, right. who and and in. Economists have even have a word for this person. They call um, him or her Homo economicus. Okay. <laughs> Homo economicus is an amazing person who that never makes a, an impulsive decision. They always research everything carefully. Uh, they never forget to redeem vouchers. They have brilliant dental hygiene they throw throw uh, tissues away as soon as they use them they do all the things you're always supposed to do all the time and and of course none of us are homo economicus we we always are under pressure in terms of time we only have so much sort of thinking power um, available to us every day we have to make decisions and sometimes or often we make we make shortcuts and behavioral economics talks about the kind of shortcuts that we make and we have to make just to to get through our our day-to-day lives so it's things like going along with with what other people are doing or going along with what's always happened before and they call these things sort of behavioral biases stuff that we do because it, it usually produces an okay decision most of the time um, and so most of us as the fca says about half of us can be categorized as vulnerable most of the rest of us aren't invulnerable we 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 were everyone's susceptible to making bad decisions however well educated or or have a well well experienced or equipped they are so in some ways, I think that the easiest way to think of a vulnerable customer is somebody who is who needs extra time to make good decisions. Again, going back to behavioral economics, they talk about thinking fast and thinking slow. When we think slow, we have time to sit back, consider what we want, do some research into it and, and come to a good decision. When we're thinking fast, we just we just guess based on sort of shortcuts and and all these behavioral biases and and for me a vulnerable customer is somebody for who for, for, for whatever reason whether it's um health reasons or whether it's because they're constrained with 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 finances and so might make a sort of desperate short-term decision that that's against their interests in the long time term but anyone who's who's experiencing something in their life 
that makes it harder for them to sit back and, and, and make an intelligent decision and, and who needs help from professionals, um, people working in, in financial services to really give them the time and space to, to make good decisions. For me, that's the, that's the difference. But it's not a, a hard line between vulnerable and invulnerable. It's, it's more of a continuum. Yeah, Matt, thank you. I, I completely agree with that definition. And thank you for uh, going into it in that level of detail. I mean, let me just wear my, my disability champion hat for a minute, because again, when we do talk about biases, it's, it's all too easy for people to make the assumption that, that a customer or a colleague with a disability that's either visible and or invisible, by definition, is vulnerable. That is far, far from the case. You know, it's important that you know we, we should all be diff- uh, disability aware and disability confident, but we should never, ever, ever get into a situation where we we define somebody by you know the the the, the disability uh, or, fi- or any protected characteristic for right for, for for that for that matter i have to say you know the, the vast majority of people that i, I that I'm, I'm working with in in, in I've, I've got a hidden disability myself but the vast number of dis- people with disabilities i work with actually don't really like the term vulnerable because you know it, it all too uh, readily it's, some, it's a label that's attached to them but uh, just because you're disabled does not mean that you're vulnerable and as Matt rightly said you know you, all of us can be vulnerable at some point in in, in our day and our week and our month in our life's journey absolutely um, so um, of course clients and, and customers are very much at the heart of what um, insurance and financial services professionals do kind of every day th- throughout their lives um, what kind of work is is therefore being done by by the profession? To, um, in regards to, to vulnerable customers and how best to treat the situation, how best to, to deal with them. Well, if I, I'll, I'll kick off. Um, so, so there, there is a huge amount being done uh, at the level of individual firms, at the level of the profession as a whole, and then you know with regulatory oversight. I think this is um, a fantastic area for for individuals and, and and the profession as a whole to really take the lead. Um, where where the regulator intervenes, it tends to be in quite extreme situations. So, for example, where people in in, in very difficult financial circumstances get exploited with with expensive short term loans and things like that. That's where the regulator will come in and and find people but actually it's it's a situation where everyone in the profession can do something to to make life easier for for people to make decisions and and actually the more people are involved the, the better we can get at it because the hundreds of thousands of people who, who, who work in insurance have a huge range of, of different insights, um, both within their own lives uh, and within the lives of their, their family that, that give them that extra bit of empathy that, that one person sort of designing a policy couldn't, couldn't possibly have. So I think this is, this is one area where, where professionals and, and, and the profession can, can really take the lead and, and we can't afford to, to, to leave it to the regulator to, to, to tell us what to do because however good the regulator is, they, they just don't have the wherewithal to, to make as much difference as the, the hundreds of thousands of people who, who work in insurance. The kind of things that are being done um, at, at the professional level is is um, training, CPD. We've got good practice guides and we've we've tailored them for each one of our societies. So um, claims and brokers, and we're doing one soon on underwriting. The Personal Finance Society has got one because different types of clients and different different sectors of of insurance and financial services have have different needs uh, and it's also impacting the, the the work we do 
um, the, the videos and, uh, and articles and, and good practice guides that we do, for example, on complaints handling and, 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 and things like that. What, one thing that's being done that that's, I think that's really good is, is firms are, are thinking very hard about um, the, the whole experience uh, that, that happens um, for, for, for clients and, and members of the public who, who, aren't, who don't end up being clients. So, for example, for, for people who, who have disabilities, impairments, risks, that, that, that means that they're unable to, to get insurance, um, treating those members of the public just the same uh, or, or, or with just the same care and attention as, as, as we would everyone else. So Johnny, I think, can talk in a lot of detail about about signposting, and then there's there's other elements like one major insurer who who employs cancer nurses to to, to help people with cancer who 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 aren't able to get insurance with them to, to really talk to them about the the, the risks that they have uh, and how that interacts with with travel. So instead of just saying no and and leaving it at that, they're that they're really going the extra mile to, to help people understand uh, how, how insurance works and how it, how it interacts with, with their condition. But a crucial one, I think, is, is for, for people with vulnerabilities is, is, is understanding that even if uh, not everyone can help them or even if the first company they, they go to can't help them, that the market as a whole has, has solutions for them. And I think that the responsibility that every professional has to really understand what the market as a whole can can offer and to make it as easy as possible for people to get to the right places as, as quickly as possible, which I know is a, is a big strand of the, the work that Johnny's been doing. Yeah, I, I, I agree, Matt. And it's actually quite interesting because we're sat around the table discussing this topic here today on the, the 12th of March, uh, 2020. And it's actually about the almost, I think, the fifth anniversary of the FCA publishing uh, observation paper number eight. And that was the first paper that introduced us to the whole topic of customer vulnerability. And it also introduced three drills, but I guess the most prominent drill in terms of how should you um, support vulnerable customers was Texas. And the S in Texas is for signposting. Um, but I would argue, you know, well, I, you know, without doubt, you know, five years on, the regulator has requires us to go much further west than Texas, and uh, and so you know we have to be able to now demonstrate uh, that that in our day, all of us in our day to day jobs doesn't matter you know if you're a, uh, an intermediary or you're a uh, an insurer or you're a reinsurer, you need to demonstrate that you understand the needs of of your vulnerable. I don't like the word, but it's the word we we got the needs of our vulnerable customers. You know you have to make sure, particularly now that we're a couple of months on from the full of the senior managers uh, regime that everyone in your business at the appropriate level be, be the senior manager certified person or all the members of your staff has the appropriate skills and capabilities to be aware of customers at moments of vulnerability so you know your actual and your potential um, uh, vulnerable customers uh, and to be able to respond to them appropriately you know you have to think in terms of when you when you're designing your products and services you know, think of the, looking at those through through the lens of, of vulnerable customers and uh, make sure that you're doing exactly the same thing you're doing an ongoing review of, uh, of your, your service proposition you're doing an analysis of things that go wrong looking at root causes uh, and again you know trying to try drive out are we doing enough to meet the needs of people in, in, in at times and moments of vulnerability if not then let's take the learning and uh, and apply it yeah, and as Matt said you know all of our, all of our communications now have to be shaped 
and delivered in mediums that, that support customers with a variety of uh, of needs. And we just need to continually monitor what we're doing. You know, vulnerable customers, vulnerability is not one and done. We are on, a, you know, we're on a, a journey and uh, we'll always be, the bar will always be raised. We'll always be expected to do that a little bit more. But let me go back, if I may, and talk about particularly about, about uh, Texas and uh, the S in Texas and signposting. So, um, in essence, what uh, what we've had for some time in the the, the motor world and the travel world for elderly customers was the BBA Find a Broker service to help those, those, those consumers if they had health conditions or a disability access the motor and travel cover that they needed. And obviously, we've now seen a regulatory intervention uh, on, uh, on on travel insurance. But if I bring you back to the work that I'm doing particularly with, um, with, with protection, there is a, a presumption out there, I think, uh, amongst some of the research that, that we have done amongst the, 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 uh, the consumers, and I have to say a number of financial advisors as well, that if people have got a disability or pre-existing health condition, it's just too difficult to get cover. And the, the insurance world, the, the protection insurance world, be it individual or workplace, is only chasing, only, you know, only wants, uh, you know, customers that are in great health. That couldn't be further from the truth. You know, we're in the business of insuring. We can't insure everybody, but we're in the business of protecting Britain. Uh, and certainly, if you look at the underwriting appetite, you know, although they do vary from office to office, you know, you know every provider will do their utmost to try and, and provide terms for any individual that's, uh, that's uh, applying to them. But, you know, we, the, 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 where people are just making health disclosures, be it physical health, be it mental health, be it, be it lifestyle, at that point, when that, even in the proposal stage, that person, uh, if they're disclosing a, a, health, a potential health condition that does impact their capacity to, uh, to contract or understand the products and services you know, that they, they may well have, so that you know, so they're showing signs of we should start regarding them as a vulnerable. Even though we haven't put them on cover, we should be treating them as a vulnerable customer at that point. And if you are unable to, uh, to arrange appropriate cover for them, I think the onus is on you as, and that onus has been spelled out in the insurance distribution directive, in MIFID 2, the senior manager regime. In fact, more recently in November, you know, with the general insurance and pure protection guidance that uh, FCA issued, that we must all act in the customer's best interest. So if we, if we, within our own proposition, cannot arrange cover for that customer, it shouldn't be, sorry, computer says no. It should be, I'm sorry, the computer says we can't help you, but let me signpost you to somebody who can. And uh, I call it the hierarchy of access. So, you know, address, if the need is there, address it. If you can't address it, then have a, a relationship with, a, with specialist intermediaries who can. And if that doesn't work for you, then use the uh, uh, the Biba Finder Broker Service, which I'm pleased to say, on the 23rd of January, uh, and we announced this in the House of Commons, we've now amended that service. And not only will it help you source someone who can help a customer with a travel insurance and their uh, the motor insurance needs, you can now use that service to help someone address their life insurance, critical illness insurance, uh, income protection insurance needs whether they've got a health condition or not, their business protection needs, if it's a small business that's seeking cover, or indeed if it's a small business that wants to source uh, group risk solutions for, the, for their staff, you can use the service to do that too. So we're now far better placed, I think, 
to meet the needs, meet and address the needs of vulnerable customers um, than we've ever been before. Matt, what kind of um, kind of specific guidance does the Financial Conduct Authority now provide around the subject of, of, of vulnerable customers? Yeah, well, like Johnny said, the FCA's published a whole series of, of, of discussion papers and, and, and consultations um, that the last... Uh, discussion paper they published was in the middle of last year, so it's it's very much an, an ongoing conversation. I think if I was to bring one thing out of the the financial services guidance, it's that individuals and firms have to have to think like grown ups. They can't they can't just be be spoon fed from the regulator. And what the regulator says in particular is that just complying with one piece of regulation isn't an excuse um, for not getting the best outcomes for, for consumers in, a, in another area. So, for example, the FCA says that, that one outcome that needs to be avoided for, for vulnerable customers is, is, is mis-selling, selling the wrong product or selling a product that they don't need. But equally, um, if, if vulnerable customers don't have access to products, same kind of access to products, that's, that's a bad outcome as well. So you can't just have a, a vulnerable customer's policy that says we don't sell products to this group of people at all so that we don't know, know that we'll never missell to them because, because in doing so you're, you're creating poor customer outcomes. Equally, around information gathering, the FCA says that Obviously, and GDPR says that we're not allowed to to, to gather and hold information that that isn't relevant. But but equally, you can't use that as an excuse um, for not holding lots of information about people. For example, people with mental health issues, if they've disclosed that, that their, their their mental health condition to you, um, you need to hold that information and 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 make it accessible to to people who need it. So so all all your all your policies have to be geared towards, um, as Johnny says, acting in the customer's best interests. As the FCA would say, getting good customer outcomes. You you can't just say, well, I'm only thinking about complying with this regulation now, and I don't care what the what the consequences are for for acting in the in in the client's best interests. I think that's the the key theme of FCA regulation. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And you know, and the, the senior manager regime is is a game changer uh, because I mean that puts far more people now on the not only are the responsible for making sure that you know that, that uh, the firm is delivering uh, in terms of uh, meeting its its vulnerable customer support requirements but it holds them personally accountable to that too and i think that you know that 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 in itself is a is a change um certainly if i look at my what you know what my own firm have done uh, we have now mandated vulnerable customer training. It's CBT based uh, for for all of my colleagues, uh, and I think that that's probably good practice for uh, for everyone. And it's not, you know, when you are uh, repeating that training, don't do it verbatim. So you know, adjust the the type the, the type of question sets that you're you you know you're asking colleagues to to answer on on a pretty regular basis. Because it's you know this, this we need to demonstrate that that we are clearly improving the changing the culture in our businesses and upskilling our staff and it, it can't be seen to be a tick box exercise you're dead right Matt it has to be uh, you know to be to be fit fit for purpose and stand stand the rigor of any SCA oversight you know if, if they want to look at, at what you're uh, at what you're doing. Wow, so um, it, it's certainly a hugely important and, and, um, and complex um, topic that we've been speaking about. Um, I mean, it, 
if I could ask you both um, what your hopes for the future of the profession would be in terms of being more considerate, being more aware of customer vulnerability and improving access to insurance overall, what would your kind of hopes from from this point on be? I think whenever I talk to people in insurance, it's always a topic that people are really engaged with because everyone has knows somebody or, or has been in situations where, where they felt vulnerable. Uh, and, and so it's, it's, it really is an area where people feel like in doing their job, they can, they can do good as, as, as individuals for, for society as a whole. So it, it really makes their job sort of meaningful and, and interesting in a way that, that perhaps if it's more transactional parts of the job, it's, it's not so interesting. So I guess my hopes is that that we we keep on trying to understand trying to look into what, what, what all these different aspects of, of vulnerability of the kind of things that, that make it harder to buy the right product or, or to make decisions um, and 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 I think more than anything just just having these these difficult conversations because people people do face really difficult choices in that in in the jobs that they take that they do for example if 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 somebody's talking to uh, an elderly customer for example and 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 they've got a relative who's sort of feeding them uh, things to say and, and 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 interpreting for them um knowing the difference between sort of potential financial abuse where where somebody might be be pushed into a decision they don't really want to make or shouldn't be making and sort of genuinely helping and giving them the the, the support and the resilience they need to make the right decision that's a very difficult call for people to make and 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 you know we need to give them everyone as much support as possible uh, to 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 be able to to interpret those situations um, as we go and and really give firms the, the the ability to devise policies so that they can monitor what's happening with with their clients um, finances and, and and accounts to to, to make sure they're a good patterns of good decision making and good outcomes so i think that's for us the, the main thing just keep on with the conversation keep on hearing about what the difficult issues are and and talk to people on an individual level and a firm level about the things that that we can all do to to make decision making better yeah i think a big part in it of, of, of improving that decision making process um for for both our colleagues as well as our customers is you know, having a long hard look at the kind of the, the language we use uh, and the, the questions that we are asking people to meet so you know we should be making it far easier for people to openly bring the you know bring the inside out you know just talk you know, reveal the the, the uh, you know whatever the health issue the disability that they they have uh, and uh, you know so i think that's an important thing that we have to keep working on as we improve our culture uh, but matt's quite right actually in pointing out the issue of financial abuse because that that is, that is unfortunately a, a growing issue um, you know one of the other things that, that I, I i do in, in, in my life is that uh, you know I'm, I'm very proud to be to sit on the inclusion and diversity committee at the london institute uh, and i've got a relationship with the surviving economic abuse charter and we brought them in actually recently to do some work with the london institute on describing exactly what financial abuse was and it's actually quite interesting because a lot of people in insurance thought oh you know what that's that's more an issue for banks actually it's just as relevant to general insurance uh, life insurance pensions as it is 
anywhere else. And certainly, you know, the, there's an, a, a kind of an ongoing conversation that, you know, that I've got with Matt and his colleagues. And the, the surviving economic abuse charity have produced um, a, check, a financial abuse checklist for insurance. And I think that's something that, you know, we should be making available to everybody as part of the uh, in the, the kind of support set that we're uh, where we're uh, we're making available. But I think for me, actually, a key thing is we have to change the change the culture. Um, we have to keep working on vulnerable customers, as I, I mentioned before. But but certainly, it, it, it's important that we get to a point in time where we're not we don't see the whole issue of vulnerable customers as something special. It should just be what we do, embedded within everything that uh, uh, that we do. And it is important because if you think about it, it makes good business sense. The UK is getting older. The UK. Uh, is is getting heavier is in, you know people are now a lot of disability actually is acquired uh, so, so people are presenting with more disability now in fact if you look at the, the I think we've now have what 17.3% from recent ONS stats of the working population is uh, is disabled and that's up from about 15.3% just five years ago but it just reflects the shift in, in, in our ageing society so more and more of our customers have got underlying health issues have got underlying disabilities they don't define them but it does increase their risk of, of being vulnerable at, at some point in the journey, so it makes good business sense to be aware of that and to, to be able to uh, uh, to meet their needs accordingly. Excellent. And and finally, Johnny, um, you, you're involved in a number of um, initiatives and, and organisations that you've mentioned. Um, where might you direct uh, listeners if they want to find out any anything more about those? Well, in terms of the access to insurance uh, working group, um, I, I'm, I'm delighted to say that uh, the Charter Insurance Institute. I mentioned I've got a professionalism work stream. The Charter Entrance Institute actually chair the professionalism work stream. And in, in, in many respects, going forward, that's going to be, uh, I'm sure my other work stream lead, leads will, will have a word with me for saying this, but it actually is going to be the most important work stream because um, that, the professionalism work stream underpins what we're going to be doing in terms of improving underwriting transparency and trust. It underpins what we're going to be doing in terms of improving access to protection insurance in the workplace. And it underpins what we're doing in terms of signposting. And over and above that, I think the other thing that we need to be aware of in terms of better meeting the needs of vulnerable customers, we need to be aware of the um, the, the, the Equalities Act, which is now just about this year, will I think in October this year, will hit its 10th anniversary. Uh, our regulator was tasked by the Treasury Select Committee in the spring of last year to work with the Equalities Commission to have a long, hard look at what was happening in terms of conduct within the insurance industry and profession in, uh, in, in relation to Equalities Act. Um, and again, my own organisation for senior senior staff and, and project leaders has mandated just a quick refresh piece of work and training awareness of Equalities Act. I think it's important that certainly, with, you know, with looking at through the lens of the senior manager's regime, it would make sense, I think, for every senior manager who's accountable and responsible and every certified person who can influence customer outcomes to be aware of the Equalities Act as well and its protected characteristics. And that's a piece of work that uh, the Access to Insurance Professionalism Workstream, chaired by CII, will uh, will be making available to you. Fantastic. Well, it's certainly uh, an ongoing conversation um, and our listeners can can um, stay in, in touch with updates by continuing to engage with the CII um, and we'll list some of those um, those helpful links um, alongside the podcast when, uh, when it's published. So, um, Johnny and Matt, thank you so much for coming in and joining us today on CII Radio. 
Thank you. Thank you. An absolute pleasure. Um, and thank you for listening. You can visit us at thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts. To find out more, you can also follow us on Twitter at CII Group. So until next time, thank you very much for joining us and goodbye. Goodbye.